Welcome to Mutterings from a Bald Guy podcast. My name is Chet, your host. You will find sermons and teachings that put Scripture in its rightful place of authority on this podcast. If you like this episode or any, could you tap five stars and leave me a review? When you tap those stars and leave a review, that significantly helps me spread more salt in our morally decaying world. Hey, let's bring life to the dead together. Alrighty, so today we're in part nine, and we only have 35 more to go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're, we're in this for the, for the long haul. We're going to get through all of this. I don't know how long it's going to take us, but I do know that it's important. So things that are important are worth time. So we're going to continue talking about apologetics today, and there's, there's a couple of things we're going to mention. Um, we're, we're moving on into the 17th and 18th centuries. We talked about the medieval period. We talked about some of the methods that we've seen. But there's one thing to remember as we walk through this is that no matter the generation or the time, the method to share the gospel has changed, but not the gospel. It's always been the same message. And so that's important to realize as we walk through this as well. So we're going to talk about these apologetic strategies. One is probability. Two is the watchmaker. Three is best of all possible worlds. And that will all make a lot of sense in a minute. So probability, this gentleman named Butler developed probability in apologetics. Um, if you guys remember, remember Thomas Aquinas, he developed a method of apologetics that was the best way he knew how to prove Christianity was true. You know, he stuck to the facts, the historical facts of Christianity, and he proved that Jesus was real and that faith was real. However, in this generation, we see that there's more of a probability approach because there's more men um, that are involved in philosophy and thinking of these great, big, grandiose ideas. Um, and whenever you start getting out of the factual history, you start getting into things that could be. And so that's where apologetics and philosophy come into play. And we always want to be true to the history and to facts because... Well, history and facts is important in determining truth. <laughs> so we need to do that. Um, and these, obviously, remember these two men lived in different times. Now, probability apologetics goes something like this. You would say, okay, there's a tree and there's grass. The probability of someone designing that is very high because we know we can't design it, right? That's probability. Just simple common sense logic stuff. Um, that we all get here. However, that's not very um, known amongst the nation as we know it today. Common and logic seem to be moving its way out. As a matter of fact, if you guys have been keeping up with any of the new school curriculum that the state of Virginia is trying to push through, and especially in the nation, they're taking away some of that critical thinking, that logical uh, studies out of the curriculum. And uh, it doesn't make any sense because Anybody who's successful in any realm here on earth understands logic, common sense, probability, and all those things. You have to look at something and be able to tell, okay, this will work or this won't work. Um, so those are important things. And that's what we do when we look at the scripture. We say, okay, how does this work? Um, when does it work? And how can we communicate that truth to other people? Two is watchmaker. This is pretty cool. William Paley is, is uh, very famous for this. So he basically said the inner workings of a watch imply a designer made it. It implies it because there's these specific parts that move and turn. And um, we know that man built that watch 
Therefore, there was a designer, man, that built the watch. The inner workings of the watch prove that there's a designer. And so does the complexity and order of the world, the trees, the grass, the um, oxygen in the air, the um, colors of, of, you see the sunset, um, you see out in space, you know, the complexity and order of the world imply that a designer made it. And that's the watchmaker method that Paley came up with. David Hume was a gentleman who rejected this watchmaker method. And this is what William Paley said in response. This is logic. Upon the whole, after all the schemes and struggles of a reluctant philosophy, the necessary resort is to a deity. The marks of design are too strong to be gotten over. Design must have a designer. That designer must have been a person. That person is God. Simple enough, right? Number three, best of all possible worlds. Now, Gottfried, a German philosopher, is best known for his work, Apologetic for the Problem of Evil. Now, now listen to this. This is really good because evil, whenever you talk to an, an unbeliever or someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, they, they will most, most of the time go to evil. Why is there evil? Why does God allow children to die? Why does God allow abortion? Why does God um, allow men to hit their wives? Why does God do this? Murder, shooting, whatever. They, a lot of people resort to evil, and we need to have an answer for that. And this is what we see. There's three main points from uh, Gottfried in this method. God predetermines all things, yet without disrupting man's free will. Can you, can, like, can you wrap your mind around that? Okay, God predetermines all things, but he doesn't disrupt free will. Kind of blows your mind, right? It's, it's hard for us to grasp, but it's true because God does predetermine. He's sovereign, and at the same time, he allows man free will, free choice. B, God could have chosen to create any world, but being perfect, he decided to make the best possible world. You know, one of the, the interesting discussions that a lot of youth are having right now, you know, when you guys were kids, there were these, this talk of UFOs and aliens, and it was, it, it was really big in the 50s, right? Now, there's way more evidence that has come out, so there's a lot more young people that's really talking, like, okay, is this the only world? Is there another world? Has God created multiple worlds where there's living beings on? And so we need to be prepared to have these discussions with these young people because they're having questions, rightly so, because they're seeing real-life video of unidentified flying objects, right? Um, and so one of the things that is an interesting discussion and a good point is when someone comes up with that, the thing I think we need to stick to is what has been revealed to us in the Scripture, we can't speak on aliens. I don't know if aliens are true. They could be. I really have no idea. But I do know for, for a fact that God chose to specifically reveal this to us, his word. And that's what we need to trust. Is there something other out there? I have no idea. That's God, that's God and his control and his power. I have no idea. But what I do know is this, and the reason this is for us is because God loves us and then you go through the gospel message. The main point of evil, though, is to realize that evil in this world contributes to the greater good. Think of Alexander the Great. He was a horrendous ruler that conquered all the known world years before Jesus came on the scene. 
slaughtered communities and cities. And what did God do? God turned it into good. Why? Because he created a common road system, a common language to prepare the way for the Lord. So God uses evil for good. We see that in Romans 8, right? C, sin and suffering are the inevitable results of man's finite nature. Humanity is limited by not being God. We're going to see in a minute, I have a video for you. Um, it is a newsreel. I did not look on the news for this reel. This is an old reel that was prepared. Um, it's an old story. But there's a consequence to us as humans thinking that we are a type of God or that we are God. You've got, you guys have seen celebrities, how they get this idea in their mind that somehow they're more powerful or better than because they're more popular or they have more influence or more power or more control or more, more money. Um, and that's dangerous because we're not God. We can't be God. We're limited. God has limited us for a reason. Now remember, we see that when times and locations change, the method of apologetics change, not the message. Again, remember, generations change, methods change, but the message doesn't change. I'm sure when I'm your age, my kids are going to be doing some things, and I'm going to think, my goodness, what has changed here, right? So much has changed. 19th century, apologists either started with revelation, meaning the Bible, or started with logic, then went to revelation and faith. Kind of the same um, MO that we've seen in other centuries before. This is important. It it basically, what we're going to talk about is experiential apologetics. Friedrich made Christianity liberal in an effort to make faith palatable to intellectuals. Now, what this gentleman did is basically what you see a lot of churches do today. Let's make the worship experience so attractive that everybody wants to come. Let's make sure people are very comfortable. Let's make sure that they have their, you know, and these are not bad things, but some churches use it for the bad, bad reason. Let's make sure they have their Coca-Cola, their fountain drinks, their orange juice. Let's make sure they got their donuts and sitting in church. Let's make sure that we have all these lights and these arrays and, and these things and make sure that the, the music, re- the bass is really loud so we can provoke some kind of emotional response. There are churches and engineers that study the human behavior in order to know exactly how loud the music needs to be, what kind of songs need to be sung in order to get an experience type of worship. That's not a good thing. This is what Friedrich was doing before it became popular. He basically watered down the gospel so much to the point where it was palatable to every intellectual, where they say, oh yeah, I can accept that. He'd take away hell He'd take away obedience and suffering, which is all part of the gospel. So we can blame him for the state that we're in. (laughs) Friedrich believed that the historical fact of Jesus' death and resurrection was not necessary for faith. But a person's experience through the Holy Spirit is all that mattered. That's dangerous. Because you know why? Not everybody has the same experience. Some people are radically saved by Jesus and they hit the ground crying. Some people are walking along the road and they come to a saving faith in Jesus. Some people are driving in their cars and make a decision to trust in Jesus. Some people walk down the aisle. Some people do it in their grandma's den. 
It's all, we all have different experiences. Our emotions are never the same. That's the danger with focusing just on experience. We have to focus on the word. Watch this clip and then we'll talk about it after. ABC News exclusive, the woman allegedly behind the affair that brought down Hillsong Church celebrity pastor Carl Lentz speaking out. Amy is here with more. Good morning, Amy. That's right, Michael. Good morning. It was a huge fall from grace. Carl Lentz's global following included Justin Bieber and a long list of celebrities and pro athletes. Well, now, without a job and trying to repair his marriage, his former mistress tells us her side of what happened. Did he tell you he loved you? Yes, he did. Did you love him? This morning, the woman who says she was the mistress of Carl Lentz, formerly known as Justin Bieber's hipster pastor from Hillsong Church, is speaking out. And I was like, are you married? And he said, I am, but he doesn't wear a ring. You never ever see him wearing a ring. When he told you he was married for 17 years and had three kids, did you think, I can't be with him, I can't date him? Or did you think, I'm okay with that? I was like, it's all good. I was married before, and I didn't want to judge him because I was like, I like to meet people and feel like they're like a, a blank canvas, you know? You get to know them and you let them paint their own colors on it. You don't go and just sticker, put stickers on people and think they're gonna be that and gonna be this. And I didn't wanna do that to him because I didn't wanna judge him. Who could use a little bit more wisdom? Lentz was known as a rock star priest at Hillsong, a church previously frequented by celebrities like Chris Pratt and Vanessa Hudgens, and followed online by more than half a million people. I just wanna love people more. I just wanna love Carl more. Renine Kareem says when she met Lentz five months ago, they began what she calls a consensual affair, in spite of what she thought were red flags, including him telling her not to Google him, saving her number in the notes app instead of his contact list, and refusing to tell her his last name or what he did for a living, despite regularly posting photos of himself online with Hollywood elite and NBA stars, something she says she didn't know at first. He's like, you know, I work for, with celebrities, and I say, what exactly you do? And he keeps saying, um, I manage celebrities, and I travel with them. He didn't want to say what he does. Did you think that was a red flag? He, he won't give you his last name? Yeah, it was. Because, I don't know, it was really strange. Kareem says she searched online and found out more about him. I realized that he's the pastor from Hillsong, and I was like, oh, I was at this church, like, Six years ago. You had been to Hillsong? One time. Only one time. She says she confronted him. I told him, I know who you are, and I'm not here to judge you. But I have a question. I was like, like, there's something wrong with your marriage? That you're sitting here with me? He said, no, it's like, it's you. Kareem says she tried to break the relationship off several times, but that Lentz kept coming back to her until late October when she says his wife, Laura, found out about their alleged affair. Did he call you to tell you? Is that what he did? It was a phone call? Yeah. He called me at midnight and he said, my wife, he was in the hallway. You can hear he was in the hallway. He's like, my wife found out and um, I got to go. I got to go. And I was like, I was devastated. The next month, Hillsong firing him, citing several reasons, including, quote, moral failures. Lentz later admitting online that he had been unfaithful in my marriage without saying who he had been with. Hillsong has now begun an investigation into the culture of the church. But Kareem says Lentz's rising celebrity may have contributed to his behavior. When you give somebody so much power, they become God to people. 
and I think people forgot the, the concept of religion and beliefs. And I think that people look at Carl like he's got to them. I know that you've said that you have already gotten hate and people who are upset with your choices, even for having the affair with Carl in the beginning, knowing that he was married. Is there anything that you would like her to know? Anything you would like to say to her if she were to listen? I feel bad for her. You know, woman to a woman, I don't think she, she deserved to, to be hurt the way that she did. And um, I, I never meant to hurt her. Now, we tried to reach out to Carl Lentz to respond. He had no comment. As for Renine Kareem, she says she just wants to move on with her life. And she says she hopes that Carl can find his true self, guys. Yeah, hope so, too. Thank, Thank you. That is one example of why it's so dangerous to place all your pennies and coins in experiential worship. Experiential apologetics is the same way. So what happened with Carl was that he was in a church that was a massive church, and he knew a lot of famous people. You, you guys saw the story. You may have read about this or seen it some time back. And at some point in his journey, he decided that it would be okay to sleep around his wife, and he did. He made that decision. I don't know if that was a decision he made in the past or if this was the first time. I have no idea. But what I do know is that he became someone that he couldn't be. We can't be God. We can't have this power. And we see the effects of that. And we see the effects that it has on Christianity because there are baby Christians out there that looked up to this man and see that he was unfaithful to his wife and unfaithful to the gospel and now we find ourselves back picking up the pieces. Just a side note, Hillsong Church has some very serious theological issues. Um, very serious. And it is the number one church listened by the younger generation, their worship music. Why? Because it's experiential worship. It's all about emotion. Emotion isn't bad, but it can't be the only thing. It can't be. The word has to be the driving factor. Now, when we believe the word, when we obey the word, feelings do sometimes follow that, but not all the time. I've obeyed God sometimes and absolutely no feeling happened. <laughs> and I just obeyed him because I knew he was telling me to do something. There are other times I obeyed God and had a great feeling of connection with him, but that doesn't happen all the time. We can't base everything off of our feelings. Friedrich also believed that if you just open yourself up to love, you will experience this type of God consciousness. And that's obviously dangerous for many reasons that I won't go into um, that you guys can fill in the blank for that as well. So number two, apologetics of beauty. I'm, he I'm hearing an echo. Is that audio off on the video? You closed it? Apologetics of beauty. Francis Renee. Um, these are just some examples. Mystery, oratory, morality, educational institutions, drama, hospitals, music, charitable works, visual art. These are all examples of apologetics coming to flesh in these ways. Um, it, mystery is, is a way of showing the mystery of God. There are things we don't know. Morality is showing God's per perfect nature and his character. Um, educational institutions, right? Teaching, hospitals, charitable works, 
Visual art, you guys have seen the art of some artists. It's amazing the gift that these people have. And now we move on to number three, worldview apologetics. Abraham Cooper had disdain for apologetics. Look what he said. In this struggle, apologetics have advanced us not one single step. Abraham obviously had some some, uh, disdain and some anger towards apologetics, but ironically, he developed a method of apologetics, and he would never admit to that. And I don't hate to be the bearer of bad news, but just because we live in rural America and a lot of people go to church or have grew up in church does not mean they're all going to heaven. And so apologetics is needed here in Buffalo Junction just as much as it's needed in New York City. The method of reaching people today is different. For, for example, we did a one-day VBS. Sarah and Katie came up with a one-day VBS. We reached more kids in that one-day VBS than we did two years ago for traditional VBS here in 2019 and last year for virtual, which was a huge turnout. But we had more people come here, people that we didn't even know. Um, the method is different, but the message didn't change, right? Things constantly change. But I know, I know it's tough because we don't like change. Change signifies something different. Change signifies something outside of our comfort zone. But we need to be willing to do those things in order to make the message known. It almost seems like, and we as Baptists do this, we consume so much of this here, but we're scared to death for it to reach here. I guarantee you on Thursday night, tomorrow night, it'll be me, Jimmy, Joe Back, and maybe two other people to go knock on door to door. Why in the world would we not as Christians be willing to go out and meet people in their homes and pray for them? Why would we not be willing to put faith to action? Like for the Little Sparrow trip. Little Sparrows gets more um, activity in this church than percentage-wise than I've seen in my last church, especially in such a large church. I mean, you got 25% of the church going to that trip most years. Um, that's a huge deal. That says a lot. But there should be more. <laughs> there should be more. Um, I, I just think it's hard for us. You know, we, we like to, to consume knowledge of this, and we like to be in the Word and consuming it, but when it comes to actually putting our one foot in front of the other, I, I find it, it becomes scary for some people and fear is, is brought in. And um, I, always, I always get the response, well, that, that, that kind of method's not for me. Well, then I say, okay, what kind of method is? <laughs> you know, what, what, what kind of method is your method? So we, we definitely need to be willing to go outside the church, but also teach inside the church um, what it means to share our faith. Because look, this, this is the deal, my friends. There, there are people dying going to hell every day, every day. And unfortunately, there are people who think they're saved and they're not because they're not following Jesus. So I'll, I'll pray and then we'll go. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours, Lord, that we would not be so consumed with an intellectual knowledge of your word, but, Father, that we would be on fire to walk it out. I pray that we would not sleep, Father, 
until we make a decision to trust you wholly, to obey you fully, to be the men and women you want us to be. Father, we know that there's no program, there's no gimmick. We can do at Buffalo Baptist Church to bring people to you. It has to be done by your Holy Spirit. And Father, we just pray right now that you would do that. That you would meet us here, Father, as we know your word says that you are. And Lord, that you would stir your church up to be on mission for you. And that this church would be full of people doing what you've called them to do. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a a ministry ordained by this church, Father. But it's something that you've called them to do. There are ministries, thousands of ministries and churches all over the world that have started because one person, two people decided to step out in faith and obey you. Father, we pray that you would do that. I pray that you would be with everyone here today in a special way and bless them. It's in your name I pray. Amen.